guys, welcome back to the Noobs Premier Podcast. If you're new here for the first time, then just a plain old welcome. My name's Isaac, aka Shrek. I'm the host of the Noobs Premier Podcast. It's interviews with spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. Today, it's back to Jerry Guerra, uh, Neptonics nut uh, there in Florida, and we get down and dirty talking all things travel spearfishing, whether it's equipment, navigating airports, compressing your gear, planning, having that checklist thinking ahead and uh, avoiding all those painful obstacles that sometimes come around with travel. Uh, in this sort of world where we're starting to move beyond this this COVID thing, travel spearfishing is becoming a re- reality again. And so this episode will hopefully be well-timed for you, and I hope you get a ton out of it. Before we get there, a couple of quick shout-outs. Um, Adreno, if you uh, – I, I recently bought a bunch of gear there for – mostly students uh, because I'm starting to teach freediving courses so I need some backup equipment for them Uh, I put on a a decent sized um, sort of online order and I got this cool email that I thought I'd just read you it says hey Isaac thanks for your purchase and for supporting our Australian business the support of yourself and the diving community means a lot to us especially in light of current events Adreno has grown in leaps and bounds since it's Since its inception in 2001, we couldn't have done it without people like you in our community. We now have over 70 passionate staff in our Brisbane head office, distribution centre and four mega stores across Australia. We're not perfect just yet though, but we will continue to improve this year and beyond, continuing to bring the biggest and best range of freediving gear to the world in Australia. Uh, remember to tag at Adreno Freediving and hashtag Adreno Freediving in your posts for a chance to be featured on our Facebook or Instagram. So check that out. And as usual, guys, if you're shopping at adreno.com.au, use the code NoobSpiro to save 20 bucks on any purchase over 200 Hundreds, if not thousands, of people have made use of that code over the years, and it directly supports the Noobsbury podcast. So, thank you again. If you want to use that, go to adreno.com.au, use the code Noobsbury at checkout to save 20 bucks on any purchase over $200. Uh, also, uh, bad news uh, Anthony left a message on Facebook and he says, uh, and this is a shout out to Eric Howery, he says, I've just been informed of the terrible news that you're no longer with us, Eric Howery. My heart aches for your mum, your family, and the rest of your friends, and selfishly, it aches for me. But my heart uh, doesn't ache just for you. I know it's as cliche as it sounds, but you died doing exactly what you loved, and knowing you, I know you wouldn't want us to mourn your loss or the pain we feel, but you want us to celebrate your friendship, your life, and the amazing person that you were. Uh, Eric had a huge impact on spearfishing, and he did lots of awesome things. Uh, he's an ex-veteran, I believe, and uh, really part of a big part of his dive community so um tragically we've lost eric but um yeah if, if it's nothing else it's a message and enjoy your diving guys but um you know obviously be as safe as you can and uh so a bit of a sad one there jake t uh left sent a message in on the noob Spiro face uh instagram sorry and if you want to follow along then at noob Spiro on instagram brandon's doing a fantastic job running an ig channel and i chime in occasionally but jake writes just writing to say thanks learning a lot from your podcast and your recommendations to complete a freediving course. Uh, I completed it on the weekend along with three of my dive buddies at Drawn to Water. Mick Austin was an excellent course facilitator. We all learned a lot, especially in relation to underwater safety. Reflecting on on the, the course, I was definitely unconsciously incompetent in a number of areas prior to the course. And thanks to your recommendations within the podcast to complete a freediving course, I'm able to spearfish in a safer manner and so are my dive buddies. So, um, hey, thanks, uh, Jake. 
Today, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Haven't caught up with Jerry for a while, actually, so check it out. Jerry Guerra from Neptonics, talking all things travel spearfishing with me, and uh, we have a good old time. Check it out. Here we go. Let's go. Boom. Neptonics was founded in 1996, making Trigamax in a barn in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Solid gear that works was their founding principle and it still rings true today in every pull of a Neptonics trigger, in every snap of a Neptonics band, and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. Got a great deal, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off anything and everything at neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. Save 10% off any order at neptonics.com when you use the code NOOB10. I can't wait to get into today's episode, brought to you with proud partner, adreno.com.au. The Noob Spiro Podcast has been partnering with adreno.com.au for more than 100 episodes, and these guys are awesome. They have uh, huge spearfishing mega stores all over the country. You can shop online or in store. Use the code Noob Spiro whenever you spend more than $200, and you will automatically save $20. That's right. Use the code Noob Spiro online or in store when you spend more than $200 and save 20 bucks. I love these guys. I remember the first time I brought a spear gun at adreno.com.au down at the Wollongabba store. And Adreno have been a huge part of the excitement that I have about spearfishing. Check them out at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpero to save. G'day guys. Today it's uh, Travel Spearfishing with Jerry Guerra from Neptonics. A bit sport. Uh, joined by Jerry again. Uh, it's fantastic having Neptonics as a partner of the show, and it's awesome having you as a well-travelled and experienced spirit to come and chat with me about travel spearfishing today, Jerry. So welcome along again. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Love being on the show. It's great. Ah, thank you, man. I got on Reddit, and I jumped on the spearfishing thread, and sometimes I'm a little bit lacklustre with my engagement with the spearfishing Reddit. There's about, I think there's 20,000 people on there, and uh, I got some really wow. good engagement out of them for this episode. Um, so I've got a heap of um, points and tips from them that we can discuss. And I've also got a bunch of questions and concerns from people, as well as uh, I, I also grabbed a whole bunch of stuff off the Noob Spirit community on Facebook. So we've got a, um, quite a bit of stuff here. Um, I guess before we start, Jerry, like, why do you think that Spiros love to travel? And what are the opportunities that traveling opens up for, for your average Spiro? Man, I think I think most spear fishermen like to travel just for the the adventure of finding a new fish that they haven't hunted before, the challenge of a new environment. I mean, that's what does it for me. It's like the experience of new culture, the locals there, how how the locals dive there versus the way I do, um, all of the above. Like eating a fish I've never eaten before, hunting a fish I've never hunted before. Like it's just a it's a wonderful experience that I think that if you're not traveling and diving, you definitely should start trying it. Yeah, yeah. COVID's definitely um, sort of put a dent in the last couple of years of travel and stuff. And, like, it's ironic, but today I jump on an interview with you today to do travel spearfishing and I've actually got COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got tested, like, six days ago and I've got the latest version of it. Um, I'm grateful that it's more or less like a mild flu. But um, Well, you look like you're handling it pretty well. I think I'm day day five or day six, Um, but, yeah. But I mean, COVID, it's put some, like a, a massive dent in everyone's travel plans. Have you had your plans blown out in the last few years? Yeah, um, I had two trips uh, lined up for 2020 and they both just got canceled completely and didn't happen at all. So 
that was in 2000, late 2020, I had one in uh, 2021 early that got canceled and I was able to do um, one in 2000, late 2021. But um, a lot of the world is, I wouldn't say is normal, but a lot of the world is able to travel again. And you just got to follow the new rules. Like you got to fly with the stupid mask on that may or may not work. We still don't know. You got to have like proof of a vaccine card. You got to have, you know, your damn test, which is adds an extra five or 600 bucks to your travel expenses. But I mean, it's better than not doing it. We're not getting any younger. That's true. That's true. Um, so recent travel for you. You, you, you got out in the last few months, haven't you? Yeah, I did. I was in um, from mid-October, like early October, I'm sorry, to uh, mid-November. I was in Africa, just uh, just short of five weeks in Africa diving. Oh, wow. So what? Uh, which which areas of Africa? Yeah, so I dove um, like the Latham area oh, yeah, nice. um, out there. I dove, um, yeah, I dove off Pemba area out there and then um, just off the beach on Zanzibar and then a little bit into Mozambique. And then back home. Okay, cool. And did what? Did you go with a outfitter? Did you go with a like a, a local guide? Um, I went with my friend Pete Carell. Um, I think he's been on your show before, man. Um, he does the guiding trip, and him and I just went as buddies. And um, two other guys went with us and just had a great time and drank beers and killed fish and told horror stories. <laughs> I have never had Pete on the show, but like his name's been dropped like at least half a dozen times and I know quite a few people that he knows and I think it's inevitable that I will get him on like he sounds like a like a phenomenal guy to hang out with and go diving with and obviously like he's got man, the knowledge too yeah man he's um he's a phenomenal spear fisherman a phenomenal guy just at the end of the day it's just a good person man I like him a lot like I've been buddies with him for a long time and um I'm glad to see him working out and it's working real successful for him now man he's 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 a captain for a big boat now and still does the guiding thing and He's, he's doing really well for himself. It's pretty exciting to see. If you're going to a new area, Jerry, Jerry, and uh, maybe you've only got a limited window, like particularly if you've got two weeks, you're going to a new country to target maybe a new species or a specific species, what's your gut instinct on getting a guide? Do you think it's uh, a worthwhile inv- investment? Like, if you, only, if you absolutely only have two weeks, I think it's the best money you can spend on a trip. You'll The guide – is like you and I in our backyards, right? Like you go once or twice a week, you go three, four times a month, whatever that, maybe sometimes even more. And local knowledge is typically the best knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, it's really hard to argue local knowledge and a, a guy who dives or a woman who dives that area on a regular basis. Like they, they'll show you, there's nothing that you won't figure out on your own, but you're not going to figure it out in two weeks. Yeah. 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 It's like, um, no one could expect to figure out your local conditions in two weeks. Like, um, absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah, even when you have big conversations with locals, like you, this, you're still like the, the the time in the water and 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 like the chance to experience a location over all the different seasons in a year. Like, um, I don't know, it just informs your understanding, your planning, and your and your results come after that. I reckon. I I fully agree with that. I think um I think local guides and I think um experienced guides that are at, and so there's some of the new guides are actually pretty good with it, but a lot of the experienced guides um. Pete Carell is a great example of that Cameron Kirkconnell is a great example of that um, the guys that work with Cameron, like they just, they, they spend so much time in the water, man, that it's just, it's really hard to argue someone who's in the water 250 days a year. <laughs> you know, I go, I go diving with a mate like that and he was like 250 days a year and I'm, I'm flat out getting my 15 days a year or 20 or whatever it is. And uh, they just different. They <laughs> and, and, and you can't help but look on with envy and just go, Oh wow! I wish I was spending as much time in the water as you are, but I mean, it's just not the realities of life sometimes. No, I, I fully agree with that, man. But um, you know, even like um, a good charter guide, and it doesn't even have to be like a paid spearfishing guide, quote unquote, man. But like um, a good example of that it's a 
a good friend of mine down in the Florida Keys, Tony Young, runs Forever Young Charters. I'm not sure if he's been on your show or not, but um, no, not yet. Man, he has got the upper keys, and his charter game is it's dialed in as is as amazing I've ever seen a charter company like. You know, I've been on, I can't tell you how many times I've chartered a boat and we're supposed to be there at 6 a.m. And we're all there at 5.55 and the charter boat guys show up at 6.15 and they're hungover. And, you know, you get there at, you know, 15 minutes early and the boat's ready with ice. It's idling and it's waiting, it's waiting for you to leave. Like the guy's just a top notch. Like, you know, they're, they're cutting up chum for you all day. They're working flashers for you all day. Like they know where the tides are changing, where the water temperatures, where, where you need to be for that species that you're hunting that day. Like they're just on their damn game. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That's what. Yeah, that's what you want when you spend a bit of money too. Yeah, and uh, exactly. Like the charters aren't cheap, but they take all the guesswork out of it, so it ends up becoming cheaper than what you, you and me guessing at somewhere we've never been before. You know, you go out for five days and you try it by yourself, and one day might be successful, might be, and you go with them, and the first day is successful. And um, Aaron Young dibs on bottom charters down in Key West area. He's another great example, good friend of mine that just crushes good fish and. Like just runs at a top-notch, amazing show down there. Um, Chris Mendola with Far Out Charters in the Keys, another great example of just that guys are just, uh, you know, they're just on their game. Like they're in the water so much that it, it they, they just know what they're doing. Yeah, I've, I've sort of, I haven't, I haven't spent too much time out on charters, but the ones I have been out on, like, uh, like here on the East Coast of Australia, like, like it's night and day. Like it's a lot of the diving's a lot easier too. You're just not having to worry about all of the peripheral stuff. And they they take care of a lot of that. Then you can just focus on having a good time while you're in the water. And uh, I mean, you're paying for that privilege, but like it is a privilege, and it's re- it's really nice uh, benefit to doing. No, it. no, I fully agree. It's a it's a hell of a privilege, and it's um it, it's very costly, but at the end of the day, like it, it's very worth it. And like, and if you go in, and if you go into some of these guys, like they're they're very experienced. They just spend so much time in the water, and they you know some of these guys have been doing it 10, 12 years. And when you do the math of that, like of how much they're in the water. They're, they're probably as seasoned as someone who's been diving for 30 years mm. only because they're in the water so much. So if you go into it with an open mind and you're willing to learn and absorb, like you can literally learn more in a two or three day paid charter from a good guide than what you'll teach yourself in two years of doing it the wrong way, or maybe, maybe the right way. But you know, it's that whole practice thing. It's like, like it's that whole thing with travel spearfishing or with any spearfishing or with just free diving in general. It's like, well, practice makes perfect and practice makes perfect. And that's fucking bullshit, man. Like perfect practice makes perfect. So unless you're doing it the right way every time, you're you're fucking wrong. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Um, like I mean, this is another bigger, broader conversation, but I think sometimes like inexperienced guys don't even know what they need to focus on. And the problem maybe like when you listen to the New Spirit podcast is like I get all these people on and they're all talking sometimes about very focused areas of your spearing. But when you're starting, like you don't even know what to prioritize and what to work on. And I think like a, a, a good charter or guide, like they, that as soon as you start putting your gear on in the boat and having a conversation with them, they're going to start knowing like, oh, okay, this is what we're going to have to focus on for this person. And this is going to give them their biggest bang for the buck in terms of improvement. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and every experience level is kind of like that, you know, like you might have a hella hardcore, like really experienced Spiro, but they've never been spearfishing in Florida waters. So like a, a, a charter operator will just know exactly how to familiarize you and get you the most out of what you're doing in, in your area, I think. Um, but like listening to a podcast, just still, everyone's just trying to figure it out themselves. So sure. I, I hear what you're saying about perfect practice, like for sure. No, I mean, it, it really makes a big deal. And I, I mean, I learned that lesson the hard way and, 
I, I know a lot of my friends did as well, but it, man, if that's one piece of advice that a new guy or a new woman could take on, like, I'm not, I'm not saying listen to me, but consider it. All right, cool. Let's get into some of these community questions. So let's do it. By, all right, by Thog on Reddit, he says, uh, um, he's got quite a few comments, but I sort of cut, cut him up. I wanted to start off talking about Sports Tube, and I think probably this um, podcast might end up being a little bit of an homage to them because Sports Tube, like, um, despite it not really being a specific product for Spiros, has been remarkably well adopted by Spiros. Everyone uses them that travels. I've used them myself. Um, Bythog says, I use a Sports Tube for most of my gear, guns, floats, lines, spear equipment, etc. He says, I keep my essentials packed elsewhere, though, so if the tube gets lost or delayed, I can at least still dive. So I think he means like he, he might put his uh, like his goggles and his and some of his other stuff in his private bag. That way, if his gun's still in the in the big sports tube, then uh, he can still get in the water and dive and maybe borrow some gear. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, use a colored Sharpie or tape to mark the holes your lock should go through. Um, if your tube is checked, security might just guess and either bend a shaft or make it too long, like because um, obviously you can vary how long you know your sports tube is and just adapt it to to whatever size gear you've got inside and stuff. Do you use a sports tube, Jim? I used to use a sports tube, but not anymore, man. They um they're they're a bit bulky, they're a bit cumbersome. They weigh nine pounds for a series two, a series three weighs sixteen pounds. You lose a lot of weight on your travel, and um personally, man, TSA's messed up my gear more than what the sport tube protects it, so I gave up on it. Okay. All right. What, what's um, your alternative nowadays? So now, um, the Neptonic spear gun travel bag that would, um, I, I designed out Rife used to make a really similar bag to it. Um, they discontinued the product and I, I took it, modified it a little bit better to my likings and made it a little bit bigger, a little bit beefier, holds a little bit more stuff, but, um, I can pack three spear guns in it. I can pack a, a float line in it, um, a, an inflatable float. And then, um, mm. there's a PVC tube that goes in the bottom of it that you can put about eight, nine shafts in it. And, um, you can travel with that thing and it'll weigh in just underneath 50 pounds if you pack it properly. It's got three accessory packs in it where you can add extra tuna clips in there and shackles and you know extra bands for that, extra rigging for your shafts if you need it. And it's mm. it's it's a it's a ballistic nylon. So the, the PVC tube in the bottom keeps it really rigid. It's um it's like double padded on the outside, like um yoga mat materials inside of it. Okay. Um so so when it's all sealed up, it's like it's super padded and it only weighs four pounds. So you get to keep like you get to keep 12 pounds off of that, that you can add in with extra shafts and slip tips into your bag, which is, um, mm. which is always a, a challenge for international travel. Generally, like a lot of the airlines have either got like, is it like a 44 pound baggage limit or some of them have got, um, uh, is it like a 68 pound baggage limit? What, what are you guys dealing with? Yeah. So, so, so in, um, in America, 90% of our flights domestically are a 50 pound limit and our international flights are a 70 pound limit. So, okay. Um, keeping under, a lot keep, of room to play keep, with keeping under 70 pounds is really easy. Keeping under 50 pounds can be really challenging with shafts and guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then like, if you, if you, <laughs> if you take clothing and stuff, which a lot of us don't just so we can get more spearing gear and like, it becomes yeah pretty bad. Like, especially when you go to a country where like, if it's cold, uh, sometimes at nighttime, particularly, like even if you go to tropics, you might want like a, a windbreaker or jacket at night, and you've given that space up for your spearing gear. Have you done that? Yeah, absolutely, have more than more than once, <laughs> man. Um, as, as I get um, as I get a bit older, man, I just suck it up and pay for the extra bag. But um, yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I travel with a spear gun bag, and then I travel with a duffel bag, and um, okay, and then I have a check in bag that is like the largest check in bag that will fit in airline check in. 
Yeah. And if my personal gear doesn't fit in there, it doesn't go. So that's sol- that's a solid rule. So um, you you the stuff you sacrifice first is again like just personal like toiletries and clothing as well. Yeah. So um, like when it comes to toiletries, man, I'm I'm a pretty simple guy. It's a toothbrush and toothpaste and a razor for the top of my top of my mustache, so I, my mask doesn't leak. Yeah. Anything anything past that, you're overpacking in my mind. <laughs> this is the beauty. But um, a, st- a, st- a stick and a donor, it's not a bad idea. But let's be honest, like it's not as necessary as you need it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's cool. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I carry deodorant, but not hair gel. Mm-mm. Nick Johnson also said, like, other than a sports tube, have you found any other good ways of traveling with spear guns and fins? Um, so your bag that you're talking about, what is the name of the bag? And can I have a picture of it for the show notes, maybe? Yeah, um, I can I can try to I'll email you a picture if that's okay. Or if you want it now, I yeah. can try to find one, but um absolutely have a picture for it. I'll put it in today's show notes at noobspirit.com forward slash travel. And that way people yep. can come in and have a look at this bag. And even if they're doing a DIY and they're making their own bag or something, they can probably model some ideas off the bag that you've designed there. Yeah, absolutely. So the bag that I made works really well. It doesn't have wheels on it. The other problem that I don't like about sport tubes is you get off a plane and you drag this damn thing to the airport and it's phenomenal to the airport because it's got wheels on it. But you, you yeah. end up getting a luggage cart anyways because you still got the other duffel bag with you and you, you got two buddies with you with the same amount of shit. So yeah. you're trying to maneuver all this shit through an airport, which is fine. That part where that's where the sport tube wins. But when you get to actually where you're diving, it's terrible. Cause now you've got three guns inside this thing. You've got a set of fins in there. You've got five or six shafts in there. You've got a rigging kit in there, but you don't have a bag to put all the shit in. So now you've got all this miscellaneous gear in a panga or in a liveaboard. And it's, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. 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 And you've got nothing to carry it in for the day diving. Like it'd be nice to have sort of something that could do both context. Yeah. And, and that's where that, that's where that bag works out really well. Like you, you, you get there, all your guns are disassembled, all the shafts are out. You rig all your guns. It all goes back in the bag. The whole bag goes in the boat. If it gets watered on all day with like, you know, splash from the splash or rain or whatever you're dealing with, who cares? Mm-hmm. doesn't hurt anything. What zips did you put on that bag? Cause this is another problem with the Marine context. Like it doesn't seem to matter what zips we use. They, um, like I know for me, like if I go traveling, like I haven't been traveling for a while with this COVID stuff, so my bag's just sitting in the shed, and if I haven't washed yep. it off properly, that zips like dead. Yeah, so the 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 nylon ones that we have, they're a, like they're like a, a glass filled nylon YKK zipper, so there can there is no metal for it to seize up on. It's all like a it's all like a real heavy grade nylon that they're made from. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, man. I've been down the road of zippers, and if you buy something from a from like um. I don't know. Patagonia makes some really nice bags and so does Daykind. Mm. And I used to use a Daykind ski bag, which was really nice. But the problem with it was, is it's made for the mountains. It's not made for the salt water. So within a year and a half, my bag's no good because the zippers are busted out. And it doesn't really matter how much silicone you spray on the salt water still wins. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I took one of those sports tubes on board a boat uh, in New Zealand and we were out on board a 50 foot boat and just the constant salt water coming over the side, the wheels on the bottom of the sports tube, all the bearings started to rust out. And then not only yeah. do you have to fix that when you get home, but also like on board the boat, like, you know, you get a pool of like rust sort of colored moisture underneath on the deck of the boat. And it's like, you know, you just, I don't know, it's not a great feeling like leaving, leaving a place less than what, what, what you know, the condition it, you, you arrived and got it in. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that, man. Mm. Um, Day Rue Hill on Reddit Spearfishing says, um, get a sports shoot and, and call it fishing or diving gear instead of spears and guns. Now, language with travel is a massive one, isn't it? 
Yeah. Now, whether you're using a sport tube or a travel bag or a ski bag or whatever you've chosen, man, but saying gun in an airport's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's a hundred, that guy's a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. On, on the, on the last trip we were coming back from Africa, my buddy that I dive with one of my best friends, he's like, they ask what's in the bag. And he's like my spear gun. And it literally turned into an hour ordeal and filling out all this paperwork. I was like, I could have hung him. <laughs> um, the Jiggly Nort says sports tubes are pretty much necessary, but get used to TSA repacking it like a total mess. Mine has never not been searched, and it always comes back one to two feet longer than I dropped it off as. And I, I was thinking, like, when I use it too, like, and I've gone away and come back, it's come back two, th- two feet longer than when I packed it the first time and left as well. Yeah, I've had mine come back too long where they can't, um, where it won't support itself and, you know, all your gear is all messed up in there, which is kind of what I was getting at earlier. Like, I've just found that TSA does more harm to my gear than what the, the sport tube is actually protecting. So that was, that's problem number one I dealt with. The other problem I've had with TSA is when I think it was the first mentioned, the first uh, guy mentioned that he marks on there with paint, but TSA isn't always smart enough to line the two damn holes up. Yeah. So they put it through the top one and not the bottom one. And now like your gear comes out and you got a shaft over here and a, a glove over there and a wetsuit top that's ripped because it's underneath some lady's luggage and it just, it ruins all your stuff. So like, like once again, like the sport tube that's supposed to be helping is not, but I reckon that's because TSA is not smart enough to put it back together or, or they're in too much of a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ovaltine tits is, um, wear your weight belt into the plane and, um, We'll get to that. And he also says strap fins to a backpack like a skateboard. Um, get good with the takedown pole spear. And then he says he loves the show. He's listened heaps of times. And then uh, Le- uh, Leclay Crider says um, uh, the airport security will give you trouble over the weight belt of like wearing it onto the airplane. Have you ever done this wearing the weight belt onto the plane or what's your take? I, I No, I never have. Um, I'll usually just um... – get the weight and I'll divide it up into different sections of my two bags and then maybe put a one pound weight or a two pound weight in my bag. Or what I really try to do is wherever I'm going to, I'll try to find lead when I'm there, whether it's rent it from a local dive shop or buy it at a local dive shop or whatever that case is. But traveling with lead is always a problem. Um, I've had it taken from me through the the check-in line. So wearing my weight belt is not really an option anymore. If you're going somewhere where it's tropical, like you don't typically need a lot of weight with you. So that's, it's usually fine to pack it, but 90% 90% of the travel destinations that people are going to now, there's weight there mm. at some place. There's, there's always a scuba center somewhere near you that you can get lead from for a few days. Yeah, right. So have you gone into scuba shops and bought um, lead for the purposes of freediving and stuff? Is that I sure option? have. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so like, like, like as remote as what I was in just in Africa, there's still like little scuba shops that are paddy centers. There's paddy centers all over the place. Okay. And you'll go in there and, you know, 15, 20 bucks, you get some lead and, at the end of the day, like you donate it back there when, when you're leaving and maybe it's a little good karma, maybe it's not, but it's still easier than dealing with your lead through the airports. Yeah. Yeah. Any other hacks on where to find weight? Um, no, no hacks on, on all. I, to be honest with you, man, like the, the best, the best thing that's always worked for me is like most of the travel destinations that you're going to go spearfishing now already have lead weight in aren't you? But, um, I don't know, for example, if you're on a, you're on a trip with your wife or your girlfriend or something like that, you're on a resort, but if you're in a place where it's diving and you're going there spearfishing, once again, there's usually not a dive center too far away. You just got to sniff it out. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What about, um, Ovaltine made a point there about, um, strapping fins to a backpack, like a skateboard. I took my fins last time I traveled down South to South Australia and I, I did the same thing 
one way I had no dramas, They, although they did make comments, and then the other way it almost became an issue and then I sort of had the conversation with the stewardess and I had to explain like what they were for and then, you know, how much they cost and how it's not. And then, you know, she was got a little bit adamant that it should have gone through the, what do you call it, the delicate packages like add-on or something. And I was like, it's not, I don't even want to put it through there. Yeah, um, I've always packed mine inside of my spear gun bag with my with my guns and they fit in there just fine. And then also in just a regular duffel bag, but don't pack them on the bottom or the sides. Like lay your wetsuits down, lay a float line down, your fins down, uh, the other part of your wetsuit. And like, so pad and protect those fins. But surprisingly, like it's, um, they, they hold up really, really good, man. Um, carbon fiber fins and plastic fins are way more durable than people give them credit for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think a lot of the manufacturers for Spiros, like – um, I can see so you got some dive R's and some penetrators there in the background. That those fins yeah, are, like, that, like, they're fairly robust. Yeah, they are. Like from from a from a diving standpoint, I'm a huge fan of the GFT fins. They're behind me as well. There's a bunch of those on the board. I'm a huge fan of GFT. I've been diving those for well over 13 years now. I've never had a set break. Um if the handful of customers that have had some problems, GFT makes them right and like instantaneously. Been selling dive R for a long time with Ray, super great guy. You know, sold hundreds of sets of those as well. The, the few sets of those it's broke, Ray fixes and makes it right. Like the, the fins are really tough. Same thing with Penetrator. We've been selling those for about a year now. Those damn things are bomb proof, and a lot of guys love those and some really cool graphics and arch on those as well. But um, 15 years ago, man, there was like that mentality where carbon fiber was really fragile. And at the time, it was. Is delicate and ginger as fuck, but <laughs> that ship sailed, bro. Those those things are those things are those things are tough, man. Like they're they're built like tanks now, and they perform like Ferraris. Are yeah, that technology is um. Th- those companies are really good. Now I can't speak for all the fin companies, but those three companies, you're not going to have any problems with them in your bag. That's the least thing you got to worry about getting broken. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com. And learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel, Hands-Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifinning Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Try out Audible service. Listen to it more than 180,000 different books books like 99 tips to get better at spearfishing oh can't wait till you read my mum's review she loved it and i hope you do too go to noobspiro.com forward slash audible to download it trek dude you're killing it on the noobspiro podcast every guest you get on froths on the spearing lifestyle and the actionable info is off the chain over here at uh, Spearing Magazine HQ, it's the same, buddy. So many noobers are submitting their adventures, lessons learned, and pictures here at SpearingMagazine.com. I just wanted to say that noobers can get an international subscription at SpearingMagazine.com. Also, they can uh, check out our In the Face Apparel or get a subscription to the greatest Spearing Magazine on the planet. That's all right here at SpearingMagazine.com. I am Jeremy Gamble, and uh, man, I love the Noob Spiro podcast. This is Jeremy out. Have you looked at or thought about or, or talked about with fin manufacturers a travel fin? So I have talked a little bit about it, but um, most companies that I have talked to about it, they all come back to the same reason of where, like, where you would attach it with the modular stuff will take the flexibility out or make yeah. it fragile. Yeah. So 
So but, you're either um, you're either losing performance or you're losing durability. Correct. Too much. So the one thing that I, I know a handful of people do is they take the foot pockets off and they put the blades and the foot pockets separate. But mm. man, I, I mean, if you have a long enough bag and you, you 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 know, as long as like I said, as long as you like put a wetsuit down on the bottom, a float line or something like that. Yeah. You know, then you put your uh, you put your fins down opposing each other. And then you put like another wetsuit or like one of your like three atmosphere floats on top of that. Like it, that's a lot of, that's a lot more cushion you're giving it credit for. Mm, mm, I mean, mm. that's theoretically, that would be safer than us packing it with our FedEx packaging and bubble wrap around it and sending it to you and letting the baggage grill, the, the box grill is mess it all up. <laughs> um, Tony 71 says he also echoed the thoughts about never mentioning the word gun that you said before. Um, but he says, if you're a cheap bastard and want, and uh, oh, hang on a sec. What does he say? If you're a cheap bastard and don't want to buy a sports tube, dismantle the handle of your gun and use a PVC pipe to transport everything else. Uh, and then yep. he also says to carry your fins with you, which I've had sort of varied success with. But I like your idea of being able to fit it in the bag as long as you can pack it appropriately. I think in your bag will actually fit it. So yeah, if you go, if, you know, if you when when you start laying out your bag, like you, your bag is your bag's not padded or at least most bags are not. Mm. And I'm working on a travel padded duffel bag for this reason, but it's not available yet. I'm hoping to have it available by springtime, but long story short, lay your wetsuit down, lay your fins down, lay a float line down, maybe not a float line, lay, lay, lay your three atmosphere float that collapses down. Um, lay the other part of your wetsuit down. That's plenty of padding on your fins there. Um, I have traveled with them in my, um, in my carry on a few times. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. I mean, and it's a nightmare on, on every account from the flight stewardess, maybe not get, letting you on to giving you a hard time to 20 people asking you questions of what you're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember like yeah. chatting with Kimmy back in the day and she was like, it's a great chance and opportunity to talk to people about freedom spearfishing and tell them about the lifestyle and stuff. And I thought, yeah, that, that, that is a good point if you've got the energy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that and that's what I was saying, like where the problem comes in. Because if you're on the way to the trip and you're in a good mood and you're happy, that's fine. But you know, some of these trips that we're going on, that's 40 hours of travel time. You got some 65 year old lady telling you about how her son used to swim in the swim team, and I was like, fuck off. That's <laughs> uh, good. And I mean, and it's, it's it, it, and it's no offense to her. It's just like, I fuck, man. Like, put him in a bag. Travel, travel light. Let take the chance. It'll be fine. But in all in all serious, like um, no joke. All joking aside, like those fins are way more durable than people give them credit for. They really are. There's two points of real vulnerability too, and that's like the the damage I've seen to fins is like cracking in front of the foot pocket because you've got your biggest sort of uh, where all the transfer is, but it's also where like it can get crushed. And then the tips yep. of the fins, like um, down the right on the very ends of them, is sort of where the carbon fiber or the material, if it's um, fiberglass, is at its thinnest. Would that be sort of what you've seen? That, that's that's one hundred percent accurate. Most of the time, like where you said, like right right ahead of the foot pocket where the screw holes would go, mm. that seems to be a fragile point. And that's a combination of you know, there's two holes there that's weakening the carbon. Um, a lot of people step on their fins, so you got a two hundred pound guy. 150 pound chick, whatever it is, steps on it a hundred times. Yeah. And at some point that just weakens that carbon there. So that is the weak spot. The, the tip of the fins, um, I feel like that's inevitable over time. Like it's going to break regardless, whether that's you putting them in the boat, take them out of the boat, your own duffel bag, the back of your pickup truck, whatever. Mm. But um, if the tip of the fins breaks, it's a little like heartbreaking, but it doesn't affect the performance. You can cut them down too, like, and sand yeah. them, sand yeah. them off again. I don't know if you have to reseal yeah. them. Do you have to reseal them if you do that? 
Um, you know, you're theoretically supposed to, but I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> my um, my penetrated carbon's now like six, seven years old, and the the toes that yeah. have worn right down, and it's almost like a blade, so they can cut people. Like I have to be careful with that now because uh, just yeah, the- for sure. I mean, and, and that's a perfect example. Like you know, carbon fiber or a, a composite blade that you're using seven years later, man. Like that really speaks volumes for like you know, that, that penetrator fin, how well they hold up and like once it's packed, right. You don't break that thing. Yeah. And you know, a lot of, a lot of guys and girls, they also forget too. like, how do you think it made it from Australia to Florida? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pack, yeah that's packed a in one. a plane. Like, no, you know, it was packed in a plane. And then when we sell it in Florida to a guy in California or a guy in Hawaii or someone, whoever, wherever that may be, like it went back in a plane, back in a box. It never, it wasn't in a carry on in someone's backpack. So, yeah, it's a good um, point. but per- personally, if it gives you a sense of security to carry them in your backpack, go for it. I, I don't. I think you're. I think you're overthinking it personally. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Foxconn says um, fins in a spear gun or two will fit well in a surf um, or board surfboard bag, um, especially if, if you take the spear out and tape it to the barrel. Wrap it in a towel and a wetsuit and pack it on the deck side of your board. The glass is thicker and there is less risk of it getting damaged. That's a that's a good tip as well. I guess that is a potential alternative as well, apart from the – because, I mean, this is what we borrow from. We borrow a lot from surfing and we borrow a lot from the the sort of the skiing alpine-type sports as well because they've got bulky bags. So Yeah, correct. And a lot of guys that travel, that you know, they go to destinations where they can surf and dive, so they are traveling with both already. Mm. So um, the surfboard bag is a great idea. That, I mean, that's that's absolutely – like I know several guys that – I don't personally surf, but I know several guys that surf and dive and they, they do it very similar to what he just described. I don't surf either, but um, maybe I would like to buy a surf bag just so it looks like I do. That way, I can, <laughs> that way, I can be cool. <laughs> if you, uh, yeah. Foxconn goes on to say, if you're going somewhere tropical, you'd be surprised how little you float without a wetsuit and just a light karashi when the water is warm enough. If you're going somewhere cold, it might be worthwhile to check out. If you can rent a weight belt from a local dive center, send them an email or DM to check. Um, he says, be careful about slip tips and or screw on spearheads. One time on a stopover in Russia, I got called over to, uh, by the speaker to unscrew a point on a spear, delaying the flight for everyone. Maybe the lesson is to be careful about bringing spear guns through Russia in general. Um, what's uh, some of the most um, weird sort of spots that you've traveled through and what issues have you had on flights, Jerry? Yeah. So what he's saying about Russia and the tip that, that very well could be a problem with Russia. I've definitely had some problems when I was moving through Thailand where they're checking my bags and they're like, you know, you have a, I wasn't aware that you had to fill out the paperwork to have a, like a permit to have with a spear gun, but I was on a layover there on top of that. So I wasn't even like in there for long, but um, you know, the, the flip side to that is, is, you know, usually you can like, I wouldn't say necessarily talk your way out of it, but you know, you can explain it. You can give them by that permit that you may or may not need, but we're all at this point, we're all smart enough to know where we're going. And chances are, we know someone who's there that can kind of coach us through all that as well. So, but he's, he's right about the spear tips. Like some stuff is like, um, it, what happens is, is it's not necessarily that it's, you're not allowed to have it when they put it through the x-ray machine. It just comes up as something they're not, they're not sure of. Yeah. yeah. So that's, what's draw That's what's drawing the attention. He also says, um, traveling through Singapore can be tricky of a friend who, whose gun got confiscated at the airport there. Not too sure on the details. Um, but again, it, it sounds like a permit issue, like what you're talking about in Thailand. He says, um, he goes on to say spearfishing rigs vary from state to state, region to region, even within a country. Marine reserves can be a bitch to find out about. Um, Citra in Portugal for, was one example. Um, and, and like in non-English speaking countries, finding their rules, 
and you know getting them into English for the very specific and small um, sport of spearfishing can be quite tricky. Um, so yeah, he says be pre- he goes on to say be prepared to see things underwater that were not obvious from the videos online or regulations. Generally, people only post things that they're proud of, and uh, you see that everywhere as well, Jerry. Like like no one's like posting videos of them shooting all the species that you shoot when you're a noob. And sometimes for noobs in different countries, like it can be hard because, you know, the species that they're seeing on the videos are like the really prestigious ones that have got some sort of, you know, value attached to really experienced spirits. Generally all of the like the the lower level species, they're not really catalogued and identified for some of the noobs in the area too. So if you're traveling, I mean, this I just thought that was another interesting point for um, learning to ID the local species there. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. That kind of like circles back to what we were talking about in the beginning about hiring a, a local guide or something like that. It can take out some of that stuff. But I mean, we, we'd be lying to ourselves if we said we hadn't done something like that in the past. I think we all have. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I, I know I've done it. And I was like, oh, like super proud of a fish I got. And then it like kind of dawned on me that I just shot an endangered species. I'm like, shit. Yeah, yeah. This is part of the like the learning curve too. Like a lot of people get up on their high horses about like shooting stuff that you can't ID. And um, I think we're, the longer you go spearfishing for, the more unforgivable it becomes. But um, sh- yeah, sure, like, yeah. Um, Brett Whitman says, any tips for packing your gear in the most condensed way possible, like wrapping a wetsuit around your guns for added protection. Yeah, like I, like I was kind of saying, like the the padded gun bag that I use, it's it's already got that, but I definitely still lay my my wetsuit on top of that. Um, usually, I'll travel with two wetsuits, all um, whatever thicknesses I may or not may not need. I can also mix and match them. So usually, my one mil will go with my fins, and my three mil goes with my guns. But it can easily be mixed and matched and do it either way. But yeah, absolutely. Like um, I also pack my mask down inside of my foot pockets and my fins. That saves a little bit of room. It also protects my mask. It eliminates a mask box. I don't have to worry about those getting scratched. The snorkels or the snorkels or whatever. I don't travel with towels anymore. I use those microfiber towels, like the big chamois kind of things. Like they're the size of a, yeah, nice. a quart. They're the size of a quart bottle, like smaller than the water bottle you're drinking with, versus like um versus a beach towel that's like the size of a pillow. Yeah, hundred percent. So there's a you know a, you know a, you know you spend forty or fifty bucks from some stuff like that. It'll make your life a lot easier and travel that. But um, you know, it's always a great idea. I think in my mind to like to have those two wetsuits with you or at least an extra top to a wetsuit so you can kind of adapt to the conditions. Like, um, just because like there's, um, the water temperature is hypothetically 77 degrees, which is a three mil wetsuit. Doesn't mean there's not a thermocline where you need a five mil. Yeah. True that. True that. Yeah. So I hear that about Palapas Ventana too, like particularly like I just had those guys on the show and by the time this um, comes out, that episode will be live. And that like some countries are notorious for those big, um, thermoclines you're talking about. So hundred percent. Yeah, they are. And and part of that thermocline is what makes those, those destinations so amazing. It's that upwelling, that deep water, nutrient rich water that brings in all the, the fish. Mm. So, so you got to be prepared for it. I, I think so. I think a lot of people really mess that up. Like if you're going to the tropics, it's always a good idea to have a three mil top with you just, just because of the whole thermocline idea. But that being said too, if you are going with a guide, they, they were out the day before you're getting there and they can tell you exactly what you do and don't need in that bag. Yeah, nice, nice. So do you recommend that, like a phone call with a with your guide or your operator, like in the days preceding, like packing your gear and getting on the flight? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, like um I, I think I, I think like um uh, like at forty eight hours ahead of you or your flight leaving, I think you have all ninety percent of the answers you need. Mm, nice. 
Nice. All right, Kyle Hot Hutchison on the New Spirit Community on Facebook says, um, have you got a check a checklist of all the spare gear you should take? And I actually remember that you gave me a checklist last time and I've actually got that up. So people can get access to your gear checklist if they go to noobspirit.com forward slash travel. I'll have that checklist linked up from last time. But but um, let's go over it again, Jerry. Like what do you recommend to take on – let's say you're going for a week trip. You're going outside of your country. What spear gear are you taking? Okay, so look, can we uh, can we add in what we're hunting on that trip? Is it yellowfin tuna? Is it dogtooth tuna? Is it wahoo? Is it grouper? What do we got? Well, these are good points. Let's 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 say we are going for some blue water species. Yep. Okay. So if it's blue water species, dogtooth tuna, um, typically dogtooth tuna, wahoo, and yellowfin are on the same kind of trip from my experience. Maybe not the yellowfin, but the wahoo for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, wahoo, they typically don't bend shafts. They just typically run really hard. They can stress your gear. So it's not a thing, not a real big thing. On a, on a good, successful doggy trip, it, I, I highly recommend one shaft per day that you're in the water. Wow. So if you're on a 10 day, 10 days, of, 10 days of spearfishing, it's 10 shafts. And yes, that is expensive. And yes, 10 slip tips are expensive, but here's the thing you're diving and you're going to use it at some point. So you might not use it on that trip, but the trip the next year or the year after you will end up using that, that gear and that equipment. So, but the worst thing that you could do is be on a 10 day trip somewhere and day three, you don't have any more shafts. And now you're just twiddling your thumb for the next seven days. Mm. So, cause yeah. I've, I've been both directions before I've came where I've, took too many shafts and didn't use them. And that's fine. And I've also been on day three of a seven day trip and I was out of shafts. And the only thing I could was happy about is I had a really big yellowfin tuna. So I wasn't like completely heartbroken, but now you get to swim around with the camera the rest of the trip. What's the weight on 10 and 10 shafts. Like if you've got a little PVC pipe and you've got your 10 shafts in there, how much are we talking? How much weight wise are we talking? So to put in perspective, I took two spear guns to Africa, a total of 16 shafts and my two wetsuits in my bag, and it weighed 49 pounds. Oh, wow. So a five, six, uh, yeah. So a five sixteenths shaft with a slip tip on it at 65 inches, which would go to most blue water guns, mm. give or take an inch or two, it weighs approximately 1.8 pounds. Okay. So, so 10, so 10 shafts is about 18 pounds. So when you eliminate that series three sport tube that some of these guys are liking that weighs 16 pounds all of a sudden your shafts just cancel that out and you're good and when you tie 10 shafts together nothing bends that buddy Mm -hmm. and if that's bent if that's bent that sport tube's getting cracked too Mm, yeah true that true that all right very good um have you dealt with lost luggage on spearing trips austin asks um what do you do if your gear is lost en route to the destination do you have any contingency plans yeah. So whenever I'm diving, um, on an international trip, I always try to get there at least 36 hours ahead of the di- the boat leaving. And that's a little bit of just getting acclimated jet lag, the lost baggage contingencies, things like that. But, um, uh, if that, if you have that luxury on your side, it's always a great thing to do that, but it's not always possible recently in the last couple, um, I want to say the last like two years, Apple released those little air tag things that are like 30 bucks a piece. Okay. And I put those inside, I put those inside of my baggage. Now it tethers into your phone and you can actually see where your luggage is at all times, which doesn't sound like a big deal until you watch it go somewhere. It's not supposed to be. <laughs> and it, but w- what's odd about that is, you know, you're at the gate, you're, uh, you know, you're an hour before boarding, but your, your bag should be at the gate because you're looking at all the other bags out that window but it's like halfway across the airport. You can actually go talk to one of the, 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 the flight attendants or the stewardess or whatever, and they'll actually correct it for you. And it kind of eliminates that problem. So Apple AirTag saved the day on that. It's, it's saved me. It saved me one time already. Oh, perfect. 
That sounds like 30 bucks worth spending. It absolutely is. I, I kind of um, hit a job before spare parts. So we got into shafts. So what other spare gear? Uh, so we're doing this blue water trip. We've got our 10 shafts. We're going on a 10-day blue water trip. I, I did sort of head you off there. What what other gear? Are you taking a spare mask? Um, I do. I take. I always take two masks. I always take two sets of gloves. I always take two sets of booties. I always have one extra wetsuit top with me, depending on the water conditions. And sometimes you'll end up wearing that because you'll tear it. You'll slide off the boat and a cleat catches it or... You know, shit happens. It's just part of it. Hundred um, percent. So I've always got an extra set of um, an extra two bands for my gun. Not necessarily a full set of bands. My shafts are always usually just always rigged out for those sh- before I left. So I'm not typically rigging and dealing with that. I always have a small rigging kit that kind of saves the day. An extra snorkel keepers in there. A couple things of mass defog. Some extra specter to put a slip tip back together with. Perhaps a cable re rig kit for the the slip tips. Um, I usually have like um, an extra 40 or 50 feet of cable or Dyneema with me as well to, to fix that. A small set of snips are always in my bag. I think that's always a great idea that people um, overestimate, underestimate that. Mm. And the snips are really good for cutting stainless steel cable. Yeah. Um, if you're not traveling with stainless steel cable, your pocket knife is just fine for your Dyneema or your mono. Cool. But yeah, um, outside of that, um, hair conditioner is not a bad thing. I usually buy that locally and I'll throw it into a Gatorade bottle or something like that to get my wetsuit on. A lot of guys like to get in the water with their wetsuit and put it on. Personally, I think the it, it just saves you from tearing your wetsuit if you lose a little bit of like hair conditioner or soap in your wetsuit. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. So outside of that, um outside of that, sunscreen, always keep one in your in your gear bag. Mm. You know what I mean? Like stuff like stuff that you would typically can forget about. And another one that I, I try to travel with a lot too that I don't know if it's on my list to you or not, that is um, mosquito repellent. I think a lot of people mess that one up. And <laughs> you get there and you're just getting – you get torn up by no seams and you know, it's, it's, that's a miserable experience when you're cutting up fish at the end of the day. Yeah, 100%. It's not a pleasant experience in the in the day after is, and, and when you try to sleep that night uh, uh, or when yeah. it really becomes painful. Yeah, exactly. Another one that I've been traveling with on like the last few years too, that it may or may not be on your list is electrolyte tablets. I think a lot of guys start, uh, myself included, like, um, you know, like, you know, three days of diving, like you just simply don't drink enough water because we're in the water so long. There's just not enough time in the day to replenish it. So those really help out a lot with cramping up and yeah. staying on your game. I think you can't replace all the things that they, you get in those hydration tabs, like, um, you know, like there's salts and magnesium and all that sort of stuff that you get in those tablets that water can't give you anyway. Um, we generally draw it out in food, but when you're spending all day, every day in the water, like it just sucks it all out of you. Like that's prop, it's proper dehydration. So yeah, like it, it's um, when you when you break down the human body, it kind of um, puts in puts in perspective of like some of the badass shit we do to ourselves. Like if you look at what a marathon runner does the guy will train or the girl will train for months on end to run a marathon. And then when they're done with a marathon, they eat the right stuff. Like most divers I know we train like hell and <laughs> our recovery drink is a, is our, is a beer and French fries. <laughs> so when you really break that down and you really think about what we're doing, like it's, it's impressive that we can swim and dive at a marathon pace for 10 days in a row. And our recovery drink is, is a Budweiser or a, or a fucking Victoria bitter or something, you know? <laughs> Not even people here drink that. You have to, it has to be such no. a hot night to drink VB. Oh, for sure. Understood. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's the same. It's the same thing, though, man. Like I don't know how it is. That, like there, I haven't been to Australia since 2016. But mm. 
I remember thinking as soon as we got out of the water, that the guys were cracking beers and passing around Coronas. And I'm like, yeah, fucking this is America all over again. <laughs> yeah. A beer after a, a good dive day is good. I, I don't like to get back in the water after I've had a beer. Like it just, it doesn't do good things to my dive reflex. My body doesn't react that well to it. Yeah. Mine doesn't either. If I'm in like 10 or 15 feet of water, like looking for a crate or a lobster or something like whatever, but if, Trying to dive to thirty feet is a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. It just it's not. It's. Uh, I think maybe because we're so tuned in with our bodies, and then when you have booze, it sort of interrupts that mind body connection. And uh, I don't know what it is, but you can just tell that you're not you're not with it enough. Like in terms of how aware you are of what's going on in your body. Yeah, I agree with it too. I also like like as much as I look like as much as I love spearfishing, like at the end of the day, spearfishing is about fun, but you still got to factor in the safety, the safety side of it, man. Like someone at home cares about you, man. Like drinking like that is just kind of selfish and fucked up. Yeah, true. I mean, not that I don't do it, but it's still fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> do what I say, not what I do. Love it. In the world of freedive spearfishing, there's no magic breathing technique. That's all of a sudden going to get you down and, shoot massive fish at depth and holding big bottom times but there is a way to do it safer and smarter take down more fuel to maximize the time that you have there learn at noobspero.com forward slash ted with ted hardy from immersion freediving if you take down more fuel you can stay for longer learning to take a bigger breath is not such a big deal Ted breaks it down for you with a free online course at noobspero.com forward slash ted take down 20 to 30 percent more air just by learning how to take a full breath again Learn how to do it free at noobspero.com forward slash TED. Today's Noobspero podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at noobspero.com forward slash Audible. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone or Android phone. Get amongst it, noobspero.com forward slash Audible. Free trial, free book, no-brainer. That's noobspero.com forward slash Audible. Howtofreedive.com have got a sick offer for noobs today. If you've already gone and done the freedivingsafety.com course, which is a free safety course for Spiros, I think this course is probably the next thing on your radar. It's called Break the 10 Meter Barrier. It's designed to get you down the bottom, laying on the bottom in that 10 meter, 30 foot mark and enjoying yourself, not suffering, not overwhelmed with the difficulty of it and just breaking down all the simple techniques that will get you there. They'll get you laying on the bottom, relaxed and ready to shoot fish. It's, um, it's a great way to just give you the simple and basic techniques to get you there. Check it out at howtofreedive.com and you can start this course for free. If you like what you see, then by all means purchase and use the code NoobSpiro to save some money. Some dosh, some cheddar, some moolah. Boom. HowToFreedive.com. Use the code NoobSpiro to save. Brandon uh, on the NoobSpiro community says, would it would be good to have a list of countries where spearfishing is illegal. Have you encountered many countries where spearfishing is illegal? I know in Germany, I believe it's illegal. Um, that's... I don't truly really know the answer to that off the top of my head, but um, I, I definitely know that there's a handful of countries where it's illegal to scuba dive and spearfish. If I'm not mistaken, it's illegal to spearfish in Venezuela as well. Um, but I'm not, I'm not real sure about that, but I can do a little bit of research and some homework on that. Mm. But uh, that being said, there's um, I, I believe it's legal to spearfish now in Saudi Arabia as well. And they have some amazing access in the red sea. That's beautiful diving. Yeah. So I think maybe is it Mauritius or one of these, like a country 
there sort of has similar rules. I believe Japan has um, has made spearfishing illegal, but wherever these you find this, and where there's like the water's good for spearfishing, um, you find this huge underground illegal spearfishing culture. Oh, it, it, you're absolutely right. There is a, um, I believe it is illegal in the Cayman Islands as well, and I am also pretty sure it's illegal in Aruba as well. Mm. But um, that that being said, like they still do it. Yeah, it's a shame that these. Countries have been lobbied probably by very small um, self-interest groups to against spearfishing. Or, or maybe there was a decent rationale for it because, you know, the practices they were employing with their local spearing were just raping it or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, so, so the story I heard about Saudi Arabia, and I'm not sure how true this is, but, I mean, I feel like it's pretty true. That a friend of mine lives in Saudi Arabia, and he's the one who told me. He's like, yeah, spearfishing and freediving used to be really big and popular here. And there was a 17-year-old that had a shallow water blackout and died. Very unfortunate, as we all know. And um, he was related to someone who was like on um, like on their their government. And oh, wow. Within like within within three months, freediving and not freediving so much, but spearfishing was now illegal there. We're finding sort of these knee-jerk reactions to situations like this are becoming more and more commonplace. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Like I mean, obviously, it's tragic what happened to that that kid, but, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, like, making stuff illegal is not always the solution. Like, just... No, I mean, I mean, people get in car wrecks all the time and die. We still drive. Yeah, I'm just trying to picture what my reaction would be if they try to make it illegal where I live. Like, it, it, it's almost unimaginable, like, because it's a dominant part of my lifestyle, so, yeah. Yeah, fully agreed. Like, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, if they tried to make it legal, illegal here, I I could just see like the amount of local guys that I know here. I'm pretty sure it would be an underground sport, like a speakeasy before long. <laughs> oh, look at you, you hipster, knowing all about speakeasies. Um, <laughs> Fernando Pereiras uh, on Noobsphere Community on Facebook says, um, "Any strategies to get approved by the misses?" Yeah, forgiveness is a lot easier than permission. <laughs> <laughs> just disappearing the other i'm going down for a pack of cigarettes oh i mean i don't know like it, so the honest answer to that is is I, i'm terrible at relationships so i'm going to start there real quick. so probably taking advice <laughs> so taking this advice from me is probably not a great idea yeah but that there's something probably very broken in your relationship if you have to ask permission in the first place would be my honest opinion of that yeah it's it gets harder like when you got obligations and kids and there's all this stuff going on. Like, sure, you know my life's pretty, but um, pretty full. Yeah, but that be that being said, like um, I think a good solution would be is to invite her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if they're into, like, it. I mean, at the end, at the end at the end of the day, like looking at your girl in a bikini should not be a problem. <laughs> I think um. Yeah, getting getting these trips approved, like obviously, like your partner probably cares about your mental well being and your health, and if they are uh, convinced sure. of the reality that spearfishing confers you a level of peace and and uh, inner health, then it's you know it's a, it's arguably a health retreat, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's very therapeutic for me. <laughs> me too, hundred percent. But you've got to put it in language where people understand what you're trying to say. So. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it's probably a lot of the way that you present it to her too. And, you know, if you're canceling out on like her best friend's wedding to go on your spearfishing trip, I can see how that'd be problematic. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, all right. Um, Yogic Flame on uh, Reddit also says, wanted uh, advice for finding spearfishing partners in new locations when you're just staying for a week or two. 
Um, how do you how do you go about that? If you're doing a like you, you're not doing a guided trip, you just want to meet some locals and have to go diving with them. If you have you have you ever done that before, Jerry? Or and if you if you haven't, like what would you do? How would you sort of go about doing that? Man, as much as I hate social media for this, like social media is a great start for it. Mm. Yeah, the same way that they're asking like the 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 noob four about like advice on travel spearfishing, I, I would start there. Like, hey, I'm going to I don't know example Puerto Rico. I'm going to be in the Rincon area. Is there anybody that knows this area? Do you know any local guys there? And um, the one thing that I can say that's been pretty amazing of being in this freediving spearfishing world for so long is it's a very welcoming community. Like it's um, most people in this point of it still know people or know of that person or someone in that area that can point you in the right direction. So yeah, I just start out by just you know, nice casual question. I'm looking to come into this area. Can anyone give me any pointers, advice, or who to dive with there? Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I've I've met a lot of friends in Puerto Rico like that. I have some friends in Ecuador that I've met like that. And, um, yeah, just casually asking is a it's a great way of doing it. Like, what was that stat on like uh, males not going to their their high school prom? It's like eighty one percent of males don't go to their high school prom because they don't fucking ask. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, I see. I so, see your point there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think another another good one, like if you're on any of these social media groups like the Spearfishing Reddit or, you know, the Noob Spirit community on Facebook or any of these groups that connect people in different places together, I think reciprocity is massive. So if you've spent, you know, like a long time helping people out on those forums and answering questions and, you know, sharing your opinion and not being a dick, then generally when you go yeah. to ask for some help, like people are like only too willing to help you. Um, whereas if you've been a yeah. troll, I guess maybe <laughs> like, and I'm not saying all trolling is bad because sometimes it's amusing, but, um, it, it, it absolutely is, but tasteful, tasteful trolls that still, you know, um, are good, are good people like that. You're going to get good result, better results out of your communities. I think doing it that way. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, but that being said too, like, um, local dive clubs are always a great start too. Like, you know, like there's, um, I'm here in the Tampa Bay area in Florida and there's. I want to say there's eight local clubs. Yeah, wow. And there's like there's over there's over 400 and something spear fishermen in this area. So, like, don't don't be ashamed to reach out to your local dive club or something like that, or the organization that's in charge of all the dive clubs, kind of thing. That's um. There's usually a lot of good knowledge there, and there's usually a lot of guys and a lot of girls that have been diving for a very long time in that club, which is kind of what the clubs are about. It's like the you know the the old salty veterans are teaching the new guys by through mentorship, which is. It's, it seems like it is slightly dying a little bit, which is kind of sad to witness. Yeah, right. It's it's hard. Like t- time and energy is a massive part of that. And um, a lot of those clubs are only as good as the people that are in them. Like the clubs them- the clubs themselves are just made up of people. So if you don't have um, cool people in there, you don't have cool clubs. So Yeah, I fully agree with that. But like I said, like between those two things, like that should be a pretty um, – uh, I, I would, I would recommend, I would recommend starting there. And I think that would probably solve a lot of your problems. Mm. And the other thing that you can do too, is um, reach out to your local dive shops. Like most, most of your local dive shops or your dive shop that you buy from, they, they typically know people in that area and they can point you in the right direction as well. Mm. Cool. cool. Yeah. Um, Jiggly Nort had some similar um, questions. He was asking about advice for solo traveling. So we've got clubs, um, social media groups. And what was the other one you said? Oh, and the local yeah, your, local, your, local charters. Yeah, yeah your local your local charters, and also your your spearfishing shop where you currently buy your gear and your equipment from. Like, if you're buying gear that is typically designed to go travel somewhere, like they they, if that shop has been established for a decent amount of time, they they know someone in that area, or they'll know of someone that knows someone in that area. So, 
Um, yeah, we get that call once a week of, Hey, we're, we're going, I'm going to St. Kitts. Do you know anyone in St. Kitts to dive with it? Yeah, yeah. You know, through a chain of events, we get them in contact with someone. Yeah. Cool. What about, um, learning local law- laws and catch limits and stuff? Um, is that something, how, how do you sort of, how do you investigate? Particularly if you're going maybe to a country that doesn't have English as a, as their first language. Yeah. Like honestly, man, one of the first things I, I do when I go to somewhere I've never been there and I don't know someone who's ever been there is just start on the U S embassy's website and their websites as well. Okay. And, um, you know, when you, when you, for, for example, if you started reading on Ecuador's website, you know, like their tourism website, you can, you can find out all kinds of information of what you can and can't do there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like Belize is a great example of this. Like Belize is a beautiful, phenomenal country to go diving and spearfishing and just behind you guys with the coral sea, it's the second largest barrier reef system in the world. Mm. But the caveat to spearfishing in Belize is, is you have to be with a local native Belizean. Mm. So to go spearfishing legally. So you have to, you, you are forced to hire a guide to legally spearfish there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it, that being said, if I move to Belize and I establish residence and I become a Belizean citizen, I'm not still legally allowed to take you because I am not from Belize. So they've, they've done a really interesting job of like making their own people have jobs and work in their own country, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, that's cool. And you don't, and you don't mind that. And it's a good excuse to, to get a guide. Yeah. 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 And not only that, you're about to learn some really interesting stuff because you're going to watch some guys with some really short little scuba fins and a big old scuba mask go to a hundred feet, aren't you? Oh, wow. Well, I, I, that, that could be cool too. Like, cause you get to experience your local culture and language and then also how they cook and prepare and hunt their local fish, which is for me, like one of them, like you said at the start of the episode, like the, the local culture is one of the biggest appeals to spearfishing and traveling. Absolutely. Yeah. And usually like you come back and you have a new way to cook and prepare fish that you've never done before. And that's always exciting. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, all right, moving on, say not to sea level. He, he had a tip here about, um, a lot of the, uh, spearfishing sort of fin manufacturers down. He identified uh, fins for you and Ruku, um, do a shorter blade that you can, uh, more easily fit in your bags. Um, I thought that was an interesting point. Do you carry any of the shorter blades, uh, Jerry? Uh, no, I personally don't. Um, for the most part, when I travel to go somewhere and spearfishing, like the diving is typically harder than it is at home. I'm usually trying to dive deeper water and swim up harder currents and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm like the guns that you typically use in your backyard is not my tuna gun. So, and it's, you know, so at the, at the end of the day, like I need the bigger, stronger, more, more sophisticated gear and equipment for lack of a better term. But if your goal is, is to go like on your vacation with your wife and you're just trying to spearfish off the beach a little bit, then yeah, you could probably get by with like some shorter fins and mm. not have a problem with that. Yeah. Cool. So ten, it d- depends on your priorities and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dumb down my gear on a dog tooth tuna or a yellow fin tuna trip. But if I was just trying to grab some octopus and lobster off the beach, like it doesn't really matter what fins I got on. Yeah. Okay, cool. By Thog had a couple more points here. He said, um, have a TSA lock on whatever luggage you're using for your gear, but also have your lock combination written down to give to airport security if you're going internationally. Not every airport has a key to unlock TSA locks. Um, so that's something fairly unique to the US? Um, I believe it is. I don't personally bother with TSA locks. Um, the people who are going to unlock that bag have a key to it. So yeah, there's, I'm not stopping them from stealing anything. And usually when you get to the airport, the first thing you do is check those bags in. 
And the second thing you do when you get out of that airport is take those bags and a $3 lock isn't going to stop someone from stealing my whole bag. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I kind of wonder about the utility of some of the locks as well. I've stopped using them. Um, He goes on to talk about airlines, and I thought this was interesting because I think it's very much a local thing. And it's, again, something you could probably talk about on on social media, like if you're going to a new area with a different um, airline carrier. But he says, we tend to fly exclusively Delta or SkyTeam. Um, zero issues with them. Alaska Air is good for the U.S. West Coast. Have you had any airlines that you find particularly um, problematic or anything like that? Um, so the only airline that I've had a little bit of problems with is like um, with the the long gear bags is with with United, but it was only on one flight. It wasn't consistent. But um, I, I like his idea of traveling with the same airline, provided that airline travels to that destination. Yeah, yeah. So, so what he's saying is, um, it's, it's a great idea. Like if you're having a lot of success and Delta's treating you right, there's no sense in buying a ticket from spirit airline, but provided Delta is going to your destination at a reasonable price. Mm. It does become a budget so thing. It, it absolutely does. Like, um, I, I've definitely like have preferred airlines that I like because, you know, it's just like, I love JetBlue and I love Qatar Airways when I'm traveling internationally, but if they don't have a flight going there, what do you do? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, cool. Um, how price insensitive are you like with your favorite airlines? Like if you're traveling internationally and say the flight's like 900 bucks, would you pay a thousand and fifty to travel with your preferred airline? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. A thousand fifty dollars, like the extra 150 bucks for peace of mind is it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Price sensitivity is a weird thing. Like sometimes Spiros have got, we've got our own sort of biases with regards to pricing and stuff. And I'm imagining sure. that that flows on to the way we choose and select airlines as well. I, I know like if, um, yeah, it's nice to have an, a, like peace of mind and sometimes you pay for that. Like if you're going for a once a year trip, you don't want to have any disruptions. Like you, you're going to pay $150, $200 extra so that you know exactly what you're going to get. Sure. And um, I, I think the a lot of the the, um, the good airlines now, like not the quote unquote not the budget airlines, they do a really phenomenal job of like competing and trying like really good customer service. But the, the budget airlines, I do my best to avoid those, like Frontier or Spirit or any of those. Like, man, I want no part of them. I'm mm. I'm fine with paying a couple hundred bucks more to not deal with that nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hundred percent agree with you. Salt and water make for a deadly combination when it comes to dive gear. That's why you need to visit oldmanblue.com.au. They use the finest in materials and they make stuff to last. They use 316 marine grade stainless steel in their loops and they source their materials and make their own stuff right there in Western Australia. Catch bags, cray loops and more. Visit oldmanblue.com.au. Check it out. Equalizing problems can be something that derail you. Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the, either the Friends or Advanced Friends or Video or the Mouthful and Deep Friends or Equalization course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better. And some of them are extremely relevant for freedive spearing. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. We're going to head on out, but I want to get parting tips and guidance. I mean, one of the massive things that I've been impressed upon, like by several guests, is testing my spear guns before I travel. 
like getting in a bit of enclosed water, whether it's a pool or whatever, and just doing some target practice, making sure everything is just shooting exactly where I want it to. Yeah, I fully agreed on it, man. Um, it can be challenging to find a pool big enough to shoot guns in. Um, don't overlook a, a clear canal or a clear beach where you can go set up that stuff a little bit too. But um, it's absolutely um, a very underestimated thing that I feel like most most Spiros don't do. Yeah. And um, you wouldn't go on a deer hunt or a, a big game hunt without sighting in your rifle. And going on a blue water hunt without knowing your blue water gun or shooting that new gun or that same gun that you haven't shot in a year um, I feel like it's a very foolish thing to do and it's absolutely worth a couple hours. I think, I don't know if this is an accurate thing, but I feel like it's a very accurate thing is I think that you'll learn more about your gun in two hours in the pool than you will in a full season of spearfishing with it. Yeah. I've heard this before. I agree. Yeah. And I, I think like what's really, in my opinion, the most important thing that you learn in a pool is you really learn perspective of what 18 feet away is and 20 feet away. Cause I hear these divers all the time. I took a 30 foot shot. Like, no, 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 you didn't. Yeah. 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 We're all, but, we're all, um, subject to, you know, the, the, the visual sort of cognitive fallacies underwater. Like we think things are bigger and further away and, you know, like we're always doing this. Like, um, so it is, yeah. it's an easy mistake to make. No, it's a very easy mistake to make. And it's ironic to me how many people is like, I shot it from 35 feet away. I'm like, well, how's that possible when you have 24 feet of shooting line? It's nothing bad. It's not, no one's lying to you. They're just, they're just naive about it. They just don't yeah. know. But you get in a pool with your gun and you're, you'll, it'll really put in perspective of what that gun's capable of doing. I don't think I've ever shot anything further away than maybe 15 or 16 feet. Ever. I don't think I've ever put anything in the boat past that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, like a 15 foot shot off the end of your spear gun. That's a long shot. I reckon it really is. It really, in my opinion, it's a very long shot, mm, mm. but, um, yeah, I think like, I think a big four band gun or a five band gun at 17 beats, very realistic, like tip of the gun to that fish. And I, I, that's a really long shot. It's a hard, and, you know, and you're also talking about going through a target that's a foot and a half to two foot thick at that point. That's a, a lot of power and momentum to make that happen for sure yeah i haven't actually done a, a trip like that like we were you know try to shoot fish that that big before so i'm looking forward to doing that um but um yeah i think the part one of the problems with the big blue water guns too is that that's not your week-to-week -week spear gun like that's the that, that's that's exactly what i was saying like you know you, you most people typically dive with their 100 or their 110 centimeter gun and that's their go-to and that's it. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you have a 135 or a 145 with four or five bands and it's a mid handle and not the rock, the rear handle that you're used to. It's a whole nother animal, man. Like yeah. get, get in the water and use it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of effort too, though, isn't it? Pulling a shaft it out really, of a target and then like re re rigging it, like reloading it, putting all five bands on and then doing it again. Like it, it's, um, you, you're going to fire that spear gun maybe five, six times in an hour and, uh, and you're not shooting any fish. So it's not really fun. No, it's, it's not really fun, but it is part of the process and the dedication. And whenever you're willing to go on a trip to another country and shoot a fish that you're not used to hunting, I mean, it's just the due diligence to get that fish. And it's all part of the experience and part of it. Like, you know, like when you break it down, like most of the time diving, like 80% of the time sucks. The water's cold. It's not clear. It's not pretty, but we all come back for more. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think um, someone said it a little while ago too. Like, it's like the reward is commensurate with the level of suffering that's gone into it. Like, it's like we we yeah. place great value on 
on how much we've put into something. I think spearfishing is very much a, a lifestyle that sort of aligns with that. I fully agree with that. Mm. Absolutely. I think that person's 100% right. Very cool. Hey, man, any parting tips for travel spearfishing? And then I want to ask you uh, what's on the cards in the, in the next couple of years for travel for you. Yeah, so um, like, like as far as like some, some tips for travel spearfishing, just try to be um, as prepared as possible um, with your gear and your equipment. Try not to be that last-minute person where you're like, trying to get your last six slip tips before your flight leaves in the morning. Try to avoid the whole overnight shipping process. When you know you're going to commit to a trip, let's say it's in January or February and your trip's in June or July, try to have all your gear and all your kits sorted out by March or April. So if there's any last minute problems, you're not stressed out about that. Like vacation is, is supposed to be fun. If you can eliminate that last minute stress, that's always a very comfortable thing to do. And then when there are the last minute trips, like if you know you're the guy who is going to travel spearfish all the time, Try to have that gear and that those bags packed and ready on the go. So when your buddies does say, "Hey, the Wahoo are here or the Tuna are here," you once again like all you got to do is put your gear in the truck and leave. So being being prepared that whole um, that whole Boy Scouts motto of "Be prepared" goes a long way in the travel spearfishing world in my mind. Love it. Yeah, and then also and also just be able to roll with the punches, man. Like if you're on a spearfishing trip and it worked 100, percent like you did something really right, you should be happy about that. Like you can't control weather, you can't control conditions, so it just you know, just go there and have a plan of what you might want to do if the weather is bad that day. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah. Love it, Jerry. So be prepared, plan ahead, and then uh, don't be a dick. And obviously, like, if you're one of these people that likes traveling all the time, then have your gear ready to rock. Love it. I, I think so. I think that goes a long way. I think that will I think that really takes the uh, – it makes it a lot more enjoyable when you're not stressed out about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, – I, I love being prepared, man. I Like, for me, like – Going into into situations where I'm not prepared, like I'm always uncomfortable. Like I, I like to have a certain number of variables under control. Then it helps me to just all I got to worry about doing is having fun and and not uh not being a dick to someone I'm traveling with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just said it best, man. Like when you're when you're kind of like stressed out about it, you're not prepared for it. Like it kind of like brings out the the inner asshole in all of us. <laughs> yeah, none of us. Like I think. G.K. Chesterton or something, he says, like, the the measure of a person's real character is what they're like when they're tired and stressed, you know? Like, because we, yeah. we can all be good people, but then, like, when you're tired and you're stressed and if you can still be a good person like that, that's kind of when it starts to um, – the rubber hits the road, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Uh, travel destinations, like, where do you want to travel uh, with this COVID bubble starting to sort itself out maybe? Yeah. So, um, I'm going to, I've already booked my trip to go back to Africa this year. Um, I'm really looking, I really want to check off a 200 pound doggy off my bucket list. And then, um, when that, so once I get that, that off my list, my, my next big travel destination that I want to do is the the Solomon islands. I don't know many people who's been there and that one's going to be a very committing timely thing. And I really wanted to get that one off my list too. So my immediate trip COVID seems to be pretty easy and allowing it to travel there, at least from the USA is into Africa. Um, beautiful trip. And then my second trip after that, it's going to be the Solomon Islands. I really want to check that one off my list. Nice. I've heard good things about Solomon's. I know one guy that's dived there and uh, it, it isn't a, on everyone's travel destination list. And I, I think that's remote travel has got to peel all of its own. It does. It absolutely does. That's kind of what's appealing to me about it is it's not that destination where a lot of guys and a lot of divers have been that I know of. One thing we glazed over was first aid. Um, obviously, like if you're traveling remote, 
first aid becomes much more of a priority, like having to organise stuff yourself and have some plans in place. But um, if you're going yep. to a, a well-known area or a, 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 on a guided trip, then um, obviously they're going to have procedures and equipment ready for that, and that's something you should just probably ask questions about. Yeah, for sure. Like I always travel with a bleed stopper pack, um, one of those bleed stopper waterproof kits in my um, in my boat bag, and I always have a tourniquet in my boat bag as well. Any, yeah, like anything past that, like we can do it when we get back to land, you know. You guys have got a Neptonics bleed stopper pack too that I've seen for sale. Yes, sir, we do. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that thing's up. It's got pretty much all the essentials in there to stop something really bad from happening. Major trauma is obviously an issue when you're out doing something like that, like whether it's a knife wound or stray teeth from one of our men in grey suits or or it's a boat propeller, like a major trauma is pretty much the one you've got to guard against. Yeah, it's absolutely right. Like it's like like you said, those those things are a spear point or a dive knife. I've I've definitely seen all three of those and that bleed stopper kit handles all that. And for everything else, it's just pretty much a bandage and some neosporin and peroxide and you're good to go. One other thing that I have in my travel bag too that I didn't think of to mention is a good fillet knife. A good fillet knife is like I can't tell you how many times I forgot that and holy shit, is it a nightmare? But now it just lives in my dive bag. Yeah, nice, nice. You just got to have a case, like a secure case, to make sure the thing stays in there because some of them, like, they don't, like, they're super dangerous if they don't stay in their case. Oh, no, they're a nightmare. Um, the the quiet carry knife that we have is, um, it's a very expensive knife, but it is hands down the best fillet knife I've ever seen. And it comes with a really solid Kydex sheath. And then the bubble blades have a really nice case with them as well. Yeah, cool, cool. All right. But yeah, you're right. Like, if that thing's not protected right, that's, I think, a nightmare. It'll shred your gear and your bags. At, who knows what else to help? Stab someone maybe as well. Oh, man, terrible. Mm. Oh, good, Jerry. Well, um, mate, awesome to catch up with you as usual. And uh, it's great to have such a strong partnership with Neptonics heading into the future. And uh, people can come and shop at neptonics.com. Uh, where can people connect with you, Jerry? My, my email, jerry at neptonics.com. Um, my cell phone's also on the website if you feel like texting. Um, the shop phone number is also on the website. You can text that. And I'm, I'm, I live here, unfortunately. <laughs> the life of the of the spearfishing uh of retailer yeah yeah awesome but man. yeah so yeah but um feel free to shoot me an email free fold uh to shoot me a text message and shoot me any questions you might have and i'll answer them as best i can for you love it cool any everything we chatted about today guys will be at noobspero.com forward slash travel massive thanks jerry uh awesome episode really enjoyed getting through some of the stuff and i hope we've delivered a ton of information for the people out there Yep, absolutely. If we need to recap on anything for the, the viewers after they do this, throw it up on the Facebook thing and we'll answer it as best we can for them. Uh, massive thanks to Jerry for jumping on and chatting all things travel spearfishing uh, with me. If you want to shop at Naptonics, and I would highly recommend you do, their online uh, support is just absolutely banging. Check it out. You can use the code NOOB10 and save 10% on your entire shopping cart at neptonics.com. If you're shopping in the US, it's an absolute no-brainer. I think it's free shipping on orders over $99. Use that code NOOB10 to save a bit more cash. And uh, again, thanks, Jerry, for jumping on this episode with me. In one week, only one week, accelerated release schedule, which I'm excited about. For the entire month of March, I'm hoping to pump out an episode a week. I've got Tran Lawrence coming up. Uh, Tran... 
lives in my old stomping ground at Taranaki in the North Island of the of New Zealand. He's a mad photographer, uh, underwater photographer, very good at what he does and very thoughtful and uh, definitely at that sort of more mature end of the spectrum in terms of where he is in his spearing journey. Had an absolute rad chat with Tran. I'm looking forward to bringing that. Come back in one week to listen to that. And the week after that, it's Forrest Galante. Uh, I had an absolute ball talking with him as well. So lots of cool episodes coming up in the New Spirit Podcast. So Subscribe, listen, tell your mates about it. And if you really love the show, go to patreon.com forward slash noobspero and consider becoming a patron listener and support the show along with 50 other awesome people just powering this podcast. I'm eternally grateful. And uh, yeah, but anyway, however you listen to the Noob Spirit podcast and share it with your mates, I appreciate it. That's it for me today. Shrek over and out. The Noob Spirit Podcast is incredibly proud to be partnering with Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. It's the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Neptonics is also the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing gear, particularly in the US. They've got free shipping on all orders over $99 in the US. Furthermore, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off on your entire shopping basket at Neptonics.com. Use the code NOOBSPEAR at Neptonics.com. Today's episode was an absolute banger, and so is our major sponsor, Adreno. Visit them at adreno.com.au. They have a huge range of equipment, and you can find it at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear at checkout. When you shop online, you can save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can even use that code in-store at some of their huge mega stores Australia-wide. Price beat guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear. Thank you.